welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How many love you some Jesus today? You love you some Jesus today? All right. So um, a couple of things that we've kind of dove into. I just want to catch you up, and we're going to do a little team teaching today, me and Carl. So uh, I'm excited about today. Um, We've been stirred on what this looks like to, to make sure that we're a house Um, both corporately and then individually, a house that the Lord desires and not just one that we've built. So we've been kind of in this thing where we've talking about the dwelling. Where does the Lord dwell? And last week we were focused on that he dwells inside of you and I. Through the Holy Spirit, he had these dwelling places throughout the Old Testament. New Testament comes, Pentecost falls, and now Holy Spirit is in, in, in us and we've become the dwelling place of the Lord. Amen? It's this awesome, awesome thing when you begin to think about it. And all of this is built off, we've been in this place in Matthew um, 21, where Jesus, so here's Holy Week, just a couple of weeks off, here's Easter coming, Jesus is riding in on the first of that Holy Week, on on the very front side of that week, the first place that he goes to is, is not where the politicians hang out. The first place that he goes to is not where they're making rules and regulations at. The very first place that Jesus rides into in Jerusalem, he stops at the temple. Shows us from, you know, the the thing for us. We, we love all through Holy Week what it shows us from, you know, the, 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 the Last Supper to the crucifixion to the resurrection then to Pentecost later. But what did he do at the very beginning? And he comes in at the temple and he does a little house cleaning. <laughs> And he comes in and he flips tables over in Matthew 21, 12. And he chases out um, some people that are doing some things they're not supposed to be doing inside of there. And he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've ma- made it or turned it into a den of robbers. You guys remember that? And so he's taking some things that are on the inside that are not right, chasing those things out. And then immediately after that, we talked about this last week, The blind and the lame come in, and there's healing in the place. The power of God has come back in. And then from that, worship is springing up in the place. People are now in the temple, and they're now worshiping the Lord again. It's beautiful. It's awesome what's happened in this moment. And here's what I'm, like the Lord, give me a picture of this. So everything on the outside of the temple looked the part, but it was the inside that was corrupted. So they had it all, temple looked good, building looked fantastic, everything looked good from the outside, but when you went in, there was activity that was corrupting the heart of what Jesus really had intended. And I was thinking about this this week, and uh, I grew up uh, in small towns, and my dad was a pastor, and, 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 and so uh, kind of on the side, you know, make a little extra money for the family on the side, he would uh, do taxidermy. You guys know what taxidermy is, Right? You take dead things, you make them look like they're living, right? And so in our house, friends would come over. We had uh, our refrigerator with food. We had our freezer with our freeze goods. And then we had this huge dedicated freezer to dead animals in there. My friends loved it. They were like, you're the freaky house, right? People would hit things on the road and be like, hey, I, you know, I ran over a squirrel. Will you mount it for me? It's weird. I don't know. And so... So he would do taxidermy, and then, you know, they'd pay for it, whatever. And so I remember when we'd watch him, actually, funny story, one of, one of the first times I ever saw him do something was a skunk, and uh, we were down in our basement, and he's like, you know, you got to kind of get inside and get all the stuff out, and he hit the stink gland, and my mom didn't know he was doing a skunk, and so he hit it, and it automatically got sucked up into our vents, and it filled our entire house up with 
the smell of skunk. Let me just tell you, they've got a rock solid marriage, my folks, okay? And then you essentially stuff up. So, but anyway, so you, you take all, and you're, you're cleaning that out, right? And then you essentially stuff a mold in there, and then you make the outside look all pretty. So what you're looking at is really a dead animal, but it looks alive. And the Lord's going, that's my church sometimes. What you're looking at looks alive from the outside, but dead inside. Are we good? And he shows, I think, throughout Scripture this same analogy that Jesus is trying to convey to us. In fact, you're going to see it in the Old Testament when they're trying to choose the next king and David is lined up with all of his brothers who've got all the looks and stature. And, and, and Samuel says, uh, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He's always looking at what's on the inside. Jesus will say it in Matthew 23, 25, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, he wasn't pulling punches, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. You think they like Jesus? So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And the Lord began to kind of show just some things in this with me um, as we were, Carl and I were bouncing some ideas off in this next place that we want to go and talking about this dwelling place of the Lord, that sometimes we spend so much time on our outward trying to look the part that we forget about the most important, which is the inward, amen? And let me just tell you, the outward shows up on Sunday, but the inward is Monday through Saturday when you're at home or you're at work or whatever. What's happening then? What does your life look like then? And so we, we individually and corporately, we can, we can fall into this trap. In Revelation 3.1, uh, uh, John, who's, who wrote Revelation, he's addressing, he's getting these visions from the Lord, and he's addressing this church of Sardis, and he says this, I know your works you have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. And so because of this and because of where, just where the Lord is working on our heart right now for just here at Reliance, but this is bigger. I think all across the city and the nation, I think you're finding a lot of churches are looking inwardly going, who are we? I think there was a lot of things that happened um, over the last year and a half that have caused a lot of faith uh, uh, buildings and places where worship's happening to go, who have we been, what have we been all about, and what we're finding is we were building on some things that probably Jesus would have chased out of the temple, amen? And so, all that to say, we, we're praying, Lord, what is your blueprints? What does your house look like? We see Jesus, you did before you went to the cross and then the tomb and then before you resurrected, you did some heart work in your temple first, your church. And, and so we're saying, Lord, what is your blueprints? And we know first and foremost, said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And, and I'll tell you this, this is a big deal. First Peter 4, 17, I know he's talking about persecution. He's talking about persecution, but he says this, it's time for judgment to begin in the household of God first. Like we're... You're not going to change society in the world if we're not dealing with this first. And so we're, in a loving way, we're giving ourselves over to this thing. Amen? 
We're giving ourselves over to this thing because we, we truly believe that as this shift takes place, what, what's gonna happen is you're gonna begin to see the power of God move in those freedoms and those healings and people being set free from their past baggage and their bondage and everything else, amen? They're going to find intimacy again with Jesus. They're going to find intimacy that the first church had. Intimacy that's going, you don't get me on Sundays only. <laughs> intimacy that says, you don't get me on a Wednesday night life group. Intimacy that says, you get me all the time, Jesus, I'm yours. That's intimacy, amen? That's what we're after. And so, because of that, um, uh, I'm going to turn over to Carl in two seconds, and he's going to talk a little bit about just kind of where the Lord's working. He thinks some blueprints, and I agree with him, um, on the kind of house that the Lord wants to build. And here's what Proverbs 24, 3 says, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. So we're asking for wisdom and understanding that's not from what we've always done or what we've always projected, grew up in the church my whole life. Well, this works and these strategies work. No, 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 we're like, Lord, get rid of all the kind of how wisdom and understanding that comes from you. And so as Carl gets ready to share the kind of house that we're looking to build, I just wanna say one more thing about this. In Haggai 1, we talked about this last week, we had to do a little bit of work. In Haggai 1, while the temple of the Lord was in ruins, you guys remember that? The temple of the Lord's in ruins. Everybody's in their own dwellings, building up their own houses. As he says, you busy yourself with your own house while my house lies in ruins. And this has just continuously jumped on my heart this week. It says, consider your ways, go up to the hills, bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and may be glorified. So the wisdom and the understanding that we're asking for from the Lord is how do we become a house both corporately and individually, how do we become a house that the Lord takes pleasure in and that glorifies him and not us, amen? And that creates tension because we got a little glory issue, don't we, in our life from time to time? We got a little tension in here that we like our own pleasure. And so I'm just telling you, I'm gonna, it's gonna be so much better when it's unto him and not unto us. It's just gonna be so much better. So Carl, come on up here, brother. And... Uh, uh, Carl has just this kind of download that the Lord has given him on some blueprints of this house, this tent um, of David that God is doing. So in Jesus, Father, we pray that you would just speak your words forth from Carl's heart. Amen. Take it away. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, so this morning I'm sitting in my living room uh, just kind of prepping, uh, going over some things, and I opened the word to Amos 9-11, which is what I was going to share from, and like Literally, at that very moment, I flop open the word. I can remember it's on my computer or the bot. Anyway, I look at it. As soon as I, it comes up, then the earthquake hits. I'm just like, okay. I just, you know, the timing of it was, I, you know, I don't care. It, whether it feels significant to you or not, I'm going, I know this is on his heart. I know he is saying, hey, look, pay attention to what I'm trying to share with you. It's not just one more good little thing as we just keep trucking along. So uh, Amos 9:11 says this. On that day, I will raise up, the, this is a prophecy. On that day, I will raise up the fallen shelter or tent tabernacle of David and wall up its gaps. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord, declares the Lord who does this. And then the prophet, you know, the apostles are actually quoting this 
in Acts. So it's not just like, oh, that was really long ago, it doesn't matter. Acts 15, the words of the prophets agree with this, and this is what they say. After these things, I will return. I will rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. It's just a simple thing of the Lord wants to do this. And I felt as Aaron and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, um, it was just this thought of, I know he's saying, honestly, he's like, I'm rebuilding David's tent. Do you know what David's tent was? It's 24-7 worship, 24-7 praise, and it was unto God. It was not for us. It wasn't for, it wasn't for them. They're like, we're, we're hosting the presence of God. This is unto him. 4,000 like musicians, 288 singers, 4,000 gatekeepers. There's over 8,000 people full-time dedicated to what? Praise and prayer just to the Lord. It's, like we just, it's the Ark of the Covenant in David's tent. The Ark of the Covenant, what? The presence of God. You used to be in the Holy of Holies. You know, remember Moses and Aaron and like, you get to go in and they would tie a rope on your ankle in case, you know, you died and they had to drag you backwards out, that kind of stuff. Big veil, can't go in there. And here's David with the Ark of the Covenant. See, I'm, a, I'm kind of a rule keeper. It depends. <laughs> but, you know, my wife's shaking her head like, no, you're not. Um, I'd like to pray for my wife right now. Um, help her, Lord. <laughs> anyway, sometimes I keep rules. Anyway, I don't even know where I was going with it. I'm so distracted now. Um, it's just this thing of like uh, the Ark of the Covenant, rule keeping going. David gets the Ark and he pitches a tent on Mount Zion, which used to be, I think, Mount had a name for it. It was the Jebusites. It was like, it was an enemy stronghold. He's like, let's put God's presence up there. Just a whole other message. We're supposed to take mountains and claim them for God. God, God gets every mountain. Like the enemy gets defeated. God gets all the mountains. For real. Addiction, abortion, identity crisis, perversion, to get it and let his kingdom. Whoever is breaking souls is supposed to get God's. God's supposed to get it and let his kingdom come instead of the enemy's like imposter kingdom. I mean, it's just, I'm sorry, I'm getting so distracted. We're in a worship war. That's what we're really in. We're not in like a religious, cultural, political, economic. Uh, it's a worship war. Who gets worship? Jesus or something else, and everything else isn't Jesus. It's just him, or whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's horrendously wicked or just nice. If it's not him, it's an imposter. He gets all our devotion, all our love, all our thrill, all our adoration, all our praise. It's supposed to be him. And the enemy, the antichrist, he's antichrist. He's like, worship and love anything but him. And he's going, I'll throw everything I can in front of you to get you to just not worship him. The enemy is not like fired up that we would do drugs. He wants us just hooked on something besides Christ. It's not like, oh man, we could just fix the drug problem. Like, you know, oh man, if we could just see Jesus. Because that's actually what we're made for. The problem with pornography, our eyes are made to behold the king of kings. 16, we're made by him and for him. You can, you can legitimately say to every single living, breathing person in every culture on the planet, God made you for himself, nothing else. And his name is Jesus. 
John 1, 8, John 1, 1 through 18, he made us for him, period, end of story. That's why we're here. That's why we live and breathe is for him. So that worthiness, he's worth it. I mean, it's not just that he's God and in charge and he's somehow got the authority so we should do what he says. He's worthy. He's, his goodness is literally what's supposed to like, motivate us. We don't, we're not supposed to be motivated by fear of punishment. We're supposed to see him and go, oh, man. Look at, I mean, it's Isaiah in the temple going, look at you. Oh, here am I. Just, I, want, I want everything. Just, everything I can bring to you, I, that's all I want to do is bring you everything. Because, I, because look at you. Not, oh, man, don't get in trouble. Man, do what you're supposed to do or he will, you know, he'll get you. That's, that's not the kingdom. So this tabernacle of David is David going, I just want him here with me. And so he sets up this tent, and I'm like, who gave him permission? Like, you change things, dude. For real. And it's okay. I'm like, how did this happen? And he's like, you know what, let's just do this. We'll make this big old tent. We're going to get all these worshipers. Pray. I mean, there were like, these people, um, there were like, it was Jaduthan and, and Heman and uh, Asaph. And some of these guys, their full-time occupation was just to praise God. It's like, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm an architect. Oh, yeah, I'm a praiser. I just, you know, I get up in the morning and go praise God because, because he's so good and he's so worthy. And it's this visible reality going. It's we're, we're, we're declaring it's, it's legit. He's legitimately worth this. And it's, the thing is, it's not just supposed to be a thing we do somewhere else. He's going, it's supposed to be you. You're a, I'm, I'm supposed to be that. And I've had this thought before of like, you know, as a group, we are just corporately like the sum total of our individuality. You know what? If we're all super lukewarm and we all pile up, guess what? We're just a big pile of lukewarm. And God's like, I want to set you on fire. And it's the cold thing. It's like, I mean, when you come together, it's supposed to actually go to a different level instead of like there's a zero and it's a little something spikes it's not, it's, he's trying to get us in love with him so he can get us, like, gathered around him to, like, walk with him and what he's got to do instead of we're just doing stuff trying to make him happy because we're worried. There's this reality of he's going, and, well, let me say this, and then I'm going to turn back to Aaron, I, I think. I don't know. I really never know what the next thing I'm going to say is. Um, I just know it won't be Go K-State. Anyway. Um, oh. Yes. I, I'll be honest. I have been waiting for weeks now just to bag on you about K-State. Um, yeah, I mean, for real, Bill Snyder was an average coach. Um, oh, <laughs> just sorry. Wow, I, I feel rebuked by the Holy Spirit right now. Like, do not, I am off the rails. Um, so uh, my wife is like super f- prophetic. Um, years ago, we were full-time on staff with the church. I'm sitting in the garage and some one day, I don't remember, I just I was spend time in the word with the Lord. She pulls into the driveway. She gets out of the vehicle. She's in tears. I'm like, thanks. You must have come across somebody who drove like me. Um, just kidding. No. She's, she's literally weeping. She's like broken. And my wife doesn't cry a lot. Well, unless it's Hallmark. Anyway, um, she walks up to me. And, she, and I'm going, something. I mean, you get that moment. You're going, oh, what? something's up. And she's like, God just spoke, and I think it was, she was, I was so clear. She's like, I just heard the audible voice of God. I haven't really, I don't think I've ever told this publicly. Um, and it was, you're putting, new, we, were, we were with a group of believers, full-time staff, blah, blah, blah. I'm going after the Holy Spirit. And it was getting messy and weird and hard, and like we were being not 
seeker sensitive and not normal, you know, all this. And she's like, the Lord just said, you're putting new wine into an old wineskin. Stop. Because I was all gung-ho to do a new thing and full of myself and just, um, I just went, oh man. So I look up this passage about new wine and wineskin and it comes down to this thing of, the, and both will put new wine into an old wineskin, it'll burst the skin and both the wine and the skin are ruined. It's just gone. It's just you're empty-handed. And I'm like, okay. And all I knew was I just got a big old stop from the Lord going, all right. And so there's a, the Lord, the, when you mentioned this thing and in the new wine, and we talked about earlier this morning, going, the Lord is definitely doing something, and it's for him, it's not for us. That's part of, there's like so much stuff I have been off on, but I just know it's, it's not about us, it's about him. Um, it's not about, oh man, look at how cool this is. I'm like, who cares? It's like I want people to go look at him. Like, that's really all we're supposed to want. Not this like, and that. It's like, no, just that. It's just that. See him, see him. He must increase. And so there's this thing. So she gets this word about wine. And so we're, that's like 15 years ago. And recently, in the last five I don't know. I don't remember. There's a road north of 254 between here and El Dorado. It actually goes all the way. I'm not sure how far it goes, but it's Parallel Road. And we're on Parallel Road. I don't remember how we got out there. We're just driving lost in the country. Um, and she's like, I feel like the Lord is trying to, is saying, there's a road in this, this, this may freak you out. I'm sorry if it does. Um, you know, 1-800-TALK-TO-AARON. Um, She's like, I feel like God's going, there's like a, a road in the spirit, in the spiritual realm, somehow parallel, you know, it's like, there's a spiritual realm. You know, you know, just so you know, what's most real, we can't see humanly. Just so you know, what's really, really real, we don't, we don't encounter with like sight, taste, touch, my brain. Um, yeah, what's, because that's eternal. Like that stuff isn't going to get, like it's, anyway. So, you know, there's just like, she's like, I feel like the Lord's saying there's something spiritually along this like parallel road. And I'm like going, I, I feel like you're, you're hearing from the Lord, not really understanding this. I'm going, there's like a road in the spirit that runs with parallel road. And I work for a construction company and um, we're doing this project. We just started about two weeks ago, got a project on parallel road. And I'm like, parallel, yeah, I'm like, we're on that road. I feel like God's, I really just, this may not seem emotionally like boom to you, but I just believe it is really what, is in tune with what the Lord's saying. So I go, Lord, I know what's going on right now with my plain old everyday job has a huge prophetic reality that it's like supporting. It's not about this job. This job is just a job. But you're really highlighting, you're just starting now to build on Parallel Road. And the, the project is, um, this guy has a metal building and, you know, I don't know if, what you know about the building, but everybody now wants a metal building that's a house inside, like they call them barn dominiums, and you know, you know how we are. We always got cute names for stuff, and then we put it on Pinterest. But, and so he's got this building that's been like, like crazy overbuilt. Like it's a metal, huge steel structure, metal skin, like the heavy-duty gauge metal skin on it, and half of it is on a slab, concrete. Half of it, him and his family live in. But there's this other half that they want to finish. Like, there's a finishing thing going on. Like, God's like, it's time for this to be extended into a living area. It's just been in, like, a utility area. And so they're basically the Lord's, and it's a t it is a tent. I mean, a tent is poles and a covering. This is that. It's just they happen to be made of steel and a steel skin. 
I'm going, God, it's a tent. I know, I know this, is, this is symbolic of the tabernacle. This is very tabernacle-looking, poles and a covering. And God's like, and it's supposed to become living area. The, uh, and so there we are, parallel road, and um, the uh, county inspector comes along. You just got to love the county inspector. Um, you have to to get to heaven, I mean, for real. Um, <laughs> he shows up, and he's looking around, you know, and I wasn't there. The homeowner contacts me. He's like, hey, the inspector, you know, blah, 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 said this. And he's like, you know, we don't know anything about this place. It's, it's, a, it's a pre-existing structure that this guy wants to make his home, like to make fully his home. And God, I feel like God's going, you're partly there, and it's supposed to become fully your home. And so I'm like, and the inspector's like, you know, he's got to put his name on it that it's okay. Because if anything goes bad, it comes back to this one guy. I'm like, so you, I really like this guy, actually, to be honest. Because I'm like, I get it. If It's all on your head, you know. And so I'm like, you got to check this out. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know anything about it. You're going to have to check the foundation. Like, does it have footings, or is it just a plain old slab? I'm like, I don't know. I just got here. And... So he's like, all right, um, you're going to have to dig a hole right down the side on two different sides of the structure and see what's going on with the foundation. Is there, is there a foundation is the question. And it's got to be at least 30 inches deep to meet code. And if it's not there, you can't pick. And we're going, this is awesome. It's good. We're going, oh, my word. Like, they're all ramping up to their dream project. And we're going, this is awesome. It's good business. And it, it might just be done, like with one check. And so... Thursday morning, I'm and in the country digging a hole next to this guy's, you know, building and to see how deep the foundation goes. And it just simply comes down to it's got to go 30 inches deep. So I'm like, it's still there. We're digging. It's still there. It's still there. And it's through hard clay. It's not fun. It's not going well. Um, and finally get down deep enough. And it's in there's a footing but it's got styrofoam. I find styrofoam. I'm like, what the world? Who puts styrofoam down in the dirt next to their house? Whatever. And so I can't see the footing. It's just styrofoam. And so the inspector's like, well, you have to like, you know, poke a nail through it and see what's behind the styrofoam. It, you know, what's back in there? And so I got to lay down on the ground because the hole is as deep as I can possibly reach because I had to get that deep and like poke, nail, poke a drill bit through this foam to see is there concrete in there? And sure enough, it pokes through, and there's concrete, rock solid. And, and it went further. The thing was, and here's the prophetic word was, like, this foundation is solid, and it's there, and it goes even deeper. I don't need to how, know how deep. I just know it's even deeper. It's even deeper. And we can build. And on top of that, to test it, to check it, I had to lay in my face. I just got to, like, I'm just going to have to lay in the dirt. Like, I couldn't. I mean, it's like I got to check. Like, no options. I just know there's this thing of humility, and we lay down, and it's, he's exalted. And there's this picture of a tent that he wants to build. And I know he's saying, I've got, it's got to be who you are. It's literally like the Lord coming to us, pushing everybody out, grabbing us, and going, look, do you know me? Can I fill you with my presence? Because he loves us like that. He's... He's not, it's like, it's great what they're doing over there, but I want you to know me, and I want you to know how I love you. I want to feel you. And so when we all come together, we're not trying to get on that page. We're on that page. Because he's really trying to, to get our hearts so we can join him in doing what's on his heart instead of just doing stuff, hoping it somehow gains his heart. There's a difference there. And, 
and I, and I won't get into it, but I've, like, it is the harvest. It is this thing of like, it's like what this is, is his presence in, in a building project. But this word out of Acts 15, it's like he's going to do this building project. Verse 17 of Acts 15 says, so that. There's a purpose. He's like, why are we doing this? Not because it feels good to us. Like, it's so cool to sit in his presence. Like, yes, it is. But it's not to have a worship spa until we see Jesus. Leaves the 99, goes after the one. I mean, he is, he's a father who's like, I, would, I, I'm not, I love all my kids, but nine out of 10 is not enough for me to be happy. I'm 10 out of 10. He wants every single person to know him and to know his love. And so there's this so that. He's going to do this work so that he gets his inheritance out of everybody. It's out of everybody. He wants us all. And, I, and it's not because we're shiny and we got it together. He's just that good. He's like, you know what? I don't need you, I just want you. What we bring to the table is that we please his heart. It's just that we can bless him. And that, that's my final thought, I guess. It's like, you know, this, I picture this thing and it's like David's tent going, why is that there? It's like, you walk up and touch it and go, because he's good and he's worthy. It's just like, you can't miss it all day long, every day, all night long. He's good, he's worthy. Look, and it's just evidence, it's proof. He's that good. He wants our hearts and so I'm going to turn it back over to Aaron. I'm going to pray in just a little bit. I don't know what we're doing next. Um, here, comes, here comes Ryan. That's our cue, apparently. That's our cue. Wow. Like, thank you for the beard, Lord. So bushy and the gray strewn about. <laughs> Sorry. I, I am going to actually pray. Uh, then to give it to Father, just, uh, yeah, Lord, I know... Um, just we're here together uh, because you have something on your heart. And just the simple reality that we could come together and bless you is astounding. And Lord, um, what we desire above all. So we pray just uh, keep leading. And Lord, I think from our brother, speak. Um, just keep leading, keep speaking. Lord, help us, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Can you guys give a hand to Carl? Appreciate that, brother. Man, what, what I love about Carl's heart is he always brings it back to just intimacy and, and where we're supposed to be at with this thing. And so this isn't like, hey, let's talk about blueprints so it sounds really cool. It's all about Jesus. And that's our establishment. That's where our heart is at. And this is, has nothing to do with reliance. I think, I think everything that's happened over the last year and a half has caused a lot of places uh, of, 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 of churches and, and those places that gather together for faith in Jesus to reevaluate what are we doing. So here we see a trend uh, in the United States, a trend of people going, the church, no, it's not, it's not doing anything for me. People walking away from faith, and we're going, Lord, that's not the way you designed your, your church. We're city on a hill. We're light. We're supposed to draw people in. We're, we're salt, right? Like, so, we're supposed to bring saltiness to this thing. You didn't design it for people to walk. You designed your body for people to come in. And so what, what are we doing? He's going, got the wrong blueprints. You've made it about yourself, and that can only entertain for so long. Um, just real quick, just a follow-up word with that about, you know, David's tent, and then you got Moses' tent, the tabernacle. So while this is going on, Saul, when he was king, the tabernacle was, was there. I mean, where they were supposed to be making sacrifices in the Holy Holies, it was there. Except somebody took the presence of God. The Philistines had taken it away. So David comes in. 
The Ark of the, Covenant's no, uh, Ark of the Covenant, presence of God, is nowhere to be seen. We've talked about this. He makes the declaration, let's go get it, right? And, and all this time in, in the tabernacle of Moses, they're still making sacrifices to the Lord, and his presence isn't there. <laughs> so David goes to get it, and he does it in a wrong way. Do you guys remember that? He does it in a wrong way. They're trying to haul the presence of God back in a way that God told them not to do it in. There's two guys. One's name is, I think, Uzziah, and another guy's name is like Ohio. I heard a guy speak on this. It's really good. Uh, so, but I heard a pastor. I was looking it up going, oh, Uzziah and Ohio, O-H-I-O, all right? I'm just assuming it's Ohio. I'm sure it has a whole different way to say it, but it's Ohio to me. What good comes out? I mean, if you come from Ohio, that's great. All right. So you got Uzziah in Ohio, and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Here's the crazy thing. Uzziah's name means strength. Ohio's name means brotherly. So you got brotherly strength kind of carry the presence of the Lord in their own way. And Uzziah reaches out because it begins to fall. Do you remember what happens to him? He dies. Why? Because the Lord's presence doesn't need brotherly strength to trust, and he carries us. We carry the Lord's presence inside of us and he carries us in other words we're trying to do this in our own strength the lord's going you're gonna die <laughs> you're not gonna be able to labor in vain amen stop trying to build it the way that i told you to build it unless the lord builds the house we labor in vain amen stop trying to do it in your own strength i don't need it the lord goes i'm strong enough you just need to do it in my way so david does it wrong and then he does it right and instead of bringing the ark back to the tabernacle he brings it like carl said to the center of Jerusalem. And in this tent, there's not a holy of holies. The ark is placed in this big, wide, huge tent. Everybody has access. It's not the way you've been set up. It's a foreshadowing that this was coming through Jesus. This is it. So what, so what does this mean for us? John 14, just I'm gonna close out with this and then we're gonna do something together. In John 14, Jesus is giving the precursor of what this is gonna bring about. Listen to this. John 14, 15, Jesus is talking about Holy Spirit's coming. So this David's tent physically is a representation of what you and I become spiritually when Holy Spirit's coming. It's all about gonna be worship, and I will ask the Father, he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. So he's talking about Holy Spirit's gonna come. And he says, you'll know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now listen to this, verse 18. I'm not gonna leave you as orphans, he says. Yet in a little while, the world will see me no more. But Jesus says, you will see me. Listen to this. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He says, you will know it. Listen to this, church. This is the part that's just captured my heart this week. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, whoever does this thing with my blueprints, not yours, Whoever does this thing with my blueprints, my commandments, and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and here's the key, and manifest myself to him. Everybody say manifest. Let me read the definition of manifest. To make clear or obvious to the eye or mind. He's saying... That when this thing is done according to my desires and not yours, that I take pleasure in and not about your pleasure. Where I'm glorified, where you're not glorified and making it all about yourself. When your house, both I think corporately and then individually, becomes about me, he says, I'm going to make myself manifest among you. 
So here we are, God, book of Acts, you're breaking out and breaking in. You see, miracles abound. Thousands are coming to know you. Jesus, how is it that 3,000 people come to know you when one person just preaches a word? And he goes, because I made my fest, my, myself manifest among them. Because they believe this. And they did it with my blueprints, not their own. So Carl said it. He was reading this morning, Amos 9-11, 5, 6 o'clock. I was going over notes, 5, 6 o'clock in my office. Get into this part right here, Amos 9-11, reading through it, Jesus clearing the temple. The whole entire building shakes. There was an earthquake this morning. I don't ever feel them. Everybody's always like, did you feel that? And I'm like, dang it, no, I didn't, right? I felt it. It shook the whole building. You could say, ah, well, that's just, you know, we get earthquakes in Kansas. I'm just telling you, a Sunday morning, a violent wind is blowing through, amen? A violent wind is blowing through, and he's shaking things. So what does that mean? I'm going to tell you what it means to me. I believe that his word says he will, in Hebrews, shake the things that are shakable so that we're established on the unshakable, Amen. So that it's not going to be about the things that are still shakable, but about the thing that's unshakable. And I can tell you, when you have intimacy with Jesus, you are unshakable. When things come against you, it won't be, oh, I didn't measure up today, Lord. You're going to be like, Lord, even though I missed the mark, you love me and I love you. And he goes, I know you're unshakable. When my marriage is on the rocks, it's not going to be, oh, Lord, this thing's falling apart. He goes, you're in me and I'm in you and I'm unshakable. I'm going to establish the unshakable. This is what my church is going to be. This is what my church is going to be. So, we're on the cusp. This has nothing to do with this building. Please hear me say this. This is not, this is not a building issue. This is what he's doing right now in the nations. It's happening all over. So we're going to sing this old song called Refiner's Fire. He's going to sing it through the first time. I ask you to close your eyes. Just extend your hands. It's all about purifying my heart. It starts right here. Look, it starts right here. Right now. Something to that effect. You also said you all the individual things the Lord's doing, right? I might have butchered what you said, but something to that effect. You also said you hated K-State, so whatever. So, so we've got to purify... So let's start right now. Purify my heart, Lord. Whatever I've made it in my own strength, my own abilities, whatever I've wanted this thing to be, strip it. Refine it with fire. Burn it up. We'll scrape off the dross of the top. So what you have, Lord, is a purified thing that's after you, reflecting you. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.